All right. Welcome back to the Solar Surge podcast. Hey, if you're new to the Solar Surge podcast, on this program, we meet with the top CEOs and the top thought leaders, business leaders in the solar and energy storage space. Uh, and today we have a special guest for you, uh, Dan Freshly. Many of you uh, probably know him from the main channel and from Solar Surge University. Uh, but Dan is the, the founder and CEO of Radiant Solar. Uh, which is one of the larger independent solar dealers on the East Coast. Uh, he's currently uh, headquartered in Virginia and operating in a number of different states up and down the East Coast. Um, Dan has been in the solar sales business for over seven years, and his team includes a door-to-door -door team, an in-home team, a virtual sales. Uh, and we even had an opportunity to work together in the past uh, at a Virginia solar installation contractor. So he's had a chance to see the business from many, many different angles. Uh, Dan, really looking forward to chatting with you uh, this morning here. Uh, welcome to the Solar Surge podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Pleasure to be here and looking forward to getting into more and more information. I mean, I know we get the pleasure of doing this a little more frequently, these kind of conversations, but uh, I don't think in a, in, a, in a podcast style where we get to really kind of unpack some more information, maybe a little bit of my own story. So thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to chatting further. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people can really benefit from hearing your story because you, you do have sort of a unique story. Um, like me, you've been in this business now long enough. I would consider us both sort of solar OGs. You know, we're not like a lot of these folks that just kind of, you know, come in, they pass through and then they move on to something else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've, you've really had a chance to see the business, go through some ups and downs and really build something for yourself and, and set up your own brand. So I think, I think a lot of folks will benefit from hearing for your story. For those that don't know you, I guess if you wouldn't mind starting, how did you first get interested in, in getting into the solar business and how have things changed from then and to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to say that there was like a noble cause or, you know, hey, I got into solar because I wanted to help the world or the environment or whatever. But quite frankly, when I first got into solar, it was because I was I was looking for a job. Right. So the brief story was I uh, graduated college, majored in business and political science. So nothing to do with engineering, technical things, solar, environmental, any of that stuff. Um, but always kind of had a business mind. And so my real passion at the time I graduated from college was in film and photography, uh, video work, photo work, things of that sort. I uh, was doing a lot of weddings, a lot of events, and just wanted some flexibility in my day to day. And so I, I knew I wanted to be in sales. I kind of grew up around a, a family of, of, of sales professionals, um, but wasn't really sure what route I wanted to go. But I knew I also wanted flexibility to pursue the film and photo work that I really enjoyed. Long and long story short, um, I moved down to Richmond, and that's where my wife is from. I'm originally from the D.C. Maryland area. Moved to Richmond, was looking for jobs, and came across at the time a, a solar contracting company that you owned, and uh, and that's kind of how I started. Right, I wanted outside sales. I wanted something that was was a little more flexible, could allow me just to hey, I had a task at hand, I could accomplish that task, but I could also manage my my day to day. I just wasn't really the the cubicle office environment person. It just wasn't, wasn't really going to fit well for me. And, uh, you know, did a bunch of different interviews. Again, I was just kind of looking for a job and wanted to find the right fit and didn't know a whole lot about solar, but ended up landing with, with you and your company and was super excited about the opportunity. And then one thing became another, and here we are today, you know, nearly, nearly eight years ago now, um, which is pretty crazy to kind of look back on, but that, that's how I got started. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I can still remember when when you and I first got connected, and we were you know doing in home sales and really you know putting together the sales team there at PEG. You know, I can remember when when I started because I I guess I started now almost 12, 12, almost thirteen years ago, but at at that time 
you know, selling solar, it wasn't even so much of a sales thing because the, the people that were buying solar at that time were people that were already bought into the idea. Like they were, they were sold on solar and it was more of a technical process of just designing the system properly, kind of working out the details, choosing the right equipment to get to their needs. But I remember right around the time that you came on, that was also the time that solar financing options became available or at least yeah. became available to us in Virginia. And so now it, it became this thing that now it's affordable for almost everybody. Now it's something that just about any homeowner can take advantage of with no money down with a, with a one for one bill swap, or maybe even a bill reduction. And I think that's when we started seeing a lot of new salespeople coming into the industry. I think it was right around that time. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, if, if my memory serves me correct, I think it was maybe not my very first interview that I did with you. Uh, but I think it was maybe like the second time I came back by, or might've even been the first interview and you said, Hey, we actually have a, a meeting with one of our, it was the first financing company, like later that day, do you want to come back for the meeting? And I just remember being like, well, Hey, this, this must be kind of a, I mean, again, I'm a guy looking for a job at the time. I was like, this must be a good sign. He's inviting me back for a, a meeting with a, a bank. Like, so anyway, that was, I knew, I, I knew part of that though, too, was just your enthusiasm and excitement about, Hey, this is a new option that's going to make selling this product and service uh, easier, being able to reach more people, grow a business. And obviously I was looking at it from a growing a career perspective, but yeah, I mean, up until then, I think everything was pretty much cash deals and we still did a, a fair amount of cash deals in the early days too, but financing, I think really changed the game for us. Um, you know, when that became, became an option. Yeah. In fact, maybe we should, we should unpack that a little bit more because you're right. That, that really did change the game, not just for us, but I think for the, for the whole industry. Um, so how, how has solar financing, in your opinion, how has solar financing impacted the industry and, and how has it changed from back then? I think it was 2016, 2017 to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think first, just with how it's impacted the industry, I mean, again, it's, it's made the investment into a solar system for a home a much more affordable investment, right? Sometimes that's an area, if you've been in the industry for a while, um, you'll deal with customers that say, oh, it's just the prices are crazy, right? Because a lot of times an average quote for a solar project might be $30,000, $50,000, could be $100,000, depending on what each home's energy needs are. And the homeowner, not to insult anyone's intelligence, but you're just, you don't really think about it from the right lens and the right perspective, right? You're typically looking at it like, here was my total cost of my solar system. And they're typically looking at the top line, right? Before any tax incentives or before any localized incentives, the, the big number is what resonates and sticks in their mind. Um, and they're comparing that $100,000 solar investment or $30,000 solar investment to the $125, $175 power bill they had last month. And they're like, how could this possibly make sense? Right? This, there's, there's no mathematical reason this can make sense. But along comes the financing, right? And when financing came in, it really became this bill swap conversation. And now the conversation was more about, hey, look, I understand that this might have been a $30,000 project before the incentives, but hey, this is what your monthly payment will be. This is the term it's structured over. It used to be very common, I think, back then that our max loan was typically like 20 years originally, and then it got extended out to 25. And there are a couple of financing options today that are 30-year um, as well, but it was typically a 20-year loan option. A lot of the interest rates we saw back then probably averaged about four to five percent or four to six percent um, is where things were back in you know 2016, 17 when uh, when financing kind of really started taking off for us. 
So, you know, the first part is I think when financing became available, it opened up the the audience and the reach of who could actually afford solar, right? Because it was no longer, I got to go take a personal loan or I got to pay cash for this and then I'm paying myself back. It was the average person who's maybe struggling to make ends meet, but is like looking to lock in one of their costs, especially one of their, what we would kind of call our more monopolized costs, right? Utilities that you can't control. I can lock that in with a fixed interest rate, fixed monthly payment for a duration and know that I can own this after a period of time. Okay, great. That make that makes sense. And that became a lot of the the pitch, right? Now, how things have changed though, again, I mentioned already terms have changed. It was very common to see 20 years being the max term. Uh, it went out to 25 and that's probably industry standard today. The 25 year term very much mirrors the 25 year warranties that we see at a lot of, a lot, at a lot of products now too. So you know that you're your financing is inside that same range as what everything is warranted for, which is probably the reason why that's occurred. Because um, I know it's common for mortgages to be 30 years. So you kind of think that maybe the loans for solar would also go to 30 years. There's some options of that today, but I can say I've, I've personally never sold a 30 year um, solar loan in my career at this point. But, um, but what we have seen is, you know, we've seen two different things. Interest rates were in that four to 6%. And then as time went by and financing got more popular, the markets were good. Interest rates were largely were good from the Fed. So it reduced interest rates in the solar industry down to a point where I think in um, summer of 2020 and even through 2021, we had, uh, you know, 0.49% was the lowest interest rate I had seen on a, on, I don't think there was any on a 25 year term, but we had some on 10, 15 years. I think we actually had a 20 year 0.49%. Now, on the flip side of that conversation, though, what I didn't know early on back in the back in the original days that I do know now is the concept of dealer fees or the concept of effectively financing charges. Because when it when a bank is offering those low interest rates, they've got to make up for it somewhere else. And where they're making up for it is they're making up for it in effectively rate buy down and charging into the contract. And so what what will happen is the, the bank is going to keep a percentage of the total contract price. And that's referred to as their dealer fee or their financing fee. And so we've seen that grow. And we've seen that increase pretty significantly, especially since 2021 now and beyond as the, the markets have kind of um, rebounded from a lot of other things that occurred. So, you know, it's it's been a big transition, but I think ultimately... The other part of that too in the financial equation is that cost of electricity is driven up a lot. So we can unpack that more, but specifically on financing, it's been a huge benefit for getting the solar product, if you will, to more to the masses and to more people. Uh, and then specifically with rates, we've seen this kind of seesaw effect between interest rates rising and falling and dealer fees rising and falling to correspond as well. Right, right. Well, well, definitely, as you said, now now that solar is sort of opened up to the masses, you know, with with abundant financing options out there, and and even today with higher interest rates, I mean, solar is still very affordable. You know, we're still sort of in that, you know, four to six percent interest rate range. If you, if you want to do a traditional solar loan, there are some higher higher rate options. But I think you know, uh, if you're looking for a low monthly payment, we still have options in that four to six percent range. Um, you know, I guess the, the observation that I saw, especially as a guy that started out way early on, was that you know, now because the solar value proposition was so attractive, you had a lot of salespeople that came in from other industries, whether it's, you know, door to door alarm sales, pest control sales, auto sales. 
Um, and a lot of them, in, in my opinion, they kind of brought a lot of these high pressure sales tactics in with them. I know you and I have always kind of just had, had a different philosophy on the proper way to sell solar to a homeowner. You know, we want to sell a lot of solar, but we don't want to do it necessarily in a way that's low information or, or pushy. In your opinion, Dan, what what makes for the, the most successful sales rep? Like what, what differentiates the, the, the person that can come into this industry and be successful long term versus some of the folks that come in? Maybe they're here for six months a year. Uh, maybe they have some short term success, but it fizzles out or maybe they they're not able to, to get any traction going. What, what's the biggest differentiator? From your it's a good, that's a great question. And I, to your exact point there, too, that was one thing that I, I observed. I, I can't say early on, though, frankly, because I think for a long time back at, at, at PEG working alongside you, I feel like we actually kind of lived in this sort of in this bubble. Right. Like we just didn't know some of the other things of the industry back at that time, right? We didn't understand. I mean, I think back on how we designed systems back then and the softwares that we use now versus then. And right. So we were kind of in this bubble. Um, but what I've learned in the years since, and as I've had exposure to see how door to door teams are ran or how call center teams are ran or just virtual teams, right? COVID forced a lot of that um, for people that maybe were already weren't used to that before they, they had to learn the virtual side. But I think what truly makes for the most successful solar salesperson from a, a longevity perspective is number one, like anything, just really trying to be a professional and be a master at your craft, right? Yes, this is a way that you can make good money. And I can understand why people that are solely focused on just money hungry will jump from one career to another to another, just looking to make a dollar as fast as they possibly can. And, and don't get me wrong, I'd be lying if I if I didn't say that I know for a fact that that's what a lot of people do in the solar industry. The problem with that, though, and part of our mission at Solar Surge in with Solar Surge University is to kind of combat that low information style where, hey, if you're, you're going to earn every dollar and you can have a phenomenal career and make a lot of money in this industry. But for me personally, just from an ethics, from a faith based perspective, from kind of just who I am. There was a there's a line where I'm like, look, I'm just not willing to go there. I'm not willing to cross that. I'm not trying to make another hundred thousand dollars because I did X, Y, Z. I'd rather do things the right way. So I, I think the first part of it is is really just a, a your own self reflection of what kind of salesperson are you going to be, right? And, and I think like the reality of it is is that we all know who we are, right? Like you know, everyone knows when you're when you feel like you're not doing the right thing you might have great ways of like combating that, that voice in your head being, you know, telling you're not doing the right thing, but you know it, right. You can hear it. And, and I just knew early on after a couple of times where I found myself in tough situations, maybe I found myself um, selling to somebody that was a little older, right. And they really weren't in a, in a, in a spot where like, this just didn't make sense. Right. Like, they wanted to go solar. They had heard a lot about it. They wanted it, but it just mathematically wasn't going to make sense for them. Um, they didn't have, for lack of a better way of saying it, they just probably didn't have enough life ahead for it to really be beneficial. You know, maybe solar performance wasn't great. There was other variables. And it would have been very easy for me in some of those moments just to be like, yeah, turn, you know, turn, turn the cheek and sign, sign on the dotted line and let's move on. And instead just being like, hey, look, like I'm going to talk to you like you're my grandmother or my grandfather or whatever it is. This isn't the right option for you. A lot of people would have said, oh, man, that's a five thousand dollar commission sitting on the table that I just walked away from. I'd rather take the money, you know, 
kind of screw those people type of thing. And that just wasn't something I was willing to do. And I think when I got, when I had my first time of experiencing a scenario like that, and then a couple thereafter, I just learned like, Hey, I'm just going to do a better job of vetting those people earlier on and just saying, Hey, unfortunately I can't help you. And I'm going to focus on the ones that I can help. Yeah. Does that mean I'm going to do probably less sales than some other people out there? Does it mean if I'm at a solar networking event and we're all talking about how many deals we did last month, I might be the lowest guy on the totem pole. It could be right. It, it could be, but at the same time, I, I know how I'm living. <laughs> I know what's in my mind, right? I know how I'm living from a peace and enjoyment of what I've, what I've done. And, um, that to me was just kind of a, an immediate thing where I was like, look, I'm just not willing to, to, to break these certain lines. So I think in the end, um, you got to know who you are. You got to know what you want to accomplish. You got to be committed and be a professional. You got to study the industry. Um, and you got to work hard, right? Like, I mean, it's solar can very largely, in my opinion, sell itself. You know, it's, it's not an overly complicated sale to be quite frank, if you really boil it down, but there's a lot of complicated nuances. And depending on how the conversations go, you just got to be sharp to know which way and what angle to, to, to help close this deal. What, what helps your customer resonate with, you know, what style of conversation. So, um, yeah, just, I think that 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 in, in, in itself is the synopsis of being a true professional. And of course, in this case, a solar professional. That's great. That's great. Well, definitely, you know, having an ethical standard, having a standard for yourself, you know, working hard. Now, you know, if somebody's out there watching this, maybe they're a brand new sales rep in the industry. Maybe they've only been in the industry one or two months. Maybe one of the people that worked uh, with us through Solar Surge University what what advice would you give that person that's just starting out in in today's environment in 2023? Yeah, I mean today's environment, right? Interest rates are higher. Um, if you pay way, if you pay too much attention to the news, you're going to really make yourself feel like this is a career that's not going to work, right? So you got to you got to stay focused on the fact that look, energy rates are rising rapidly everywhere. Um, so if all you're doing is making an economic sale and you're trying to have that conversation of bill swap, today is still a phenomenal time and a great market to be selling solar, right? Because you got to remember that too, the clients that you're working with, the customers that you're looking, working with today that now inquired about solar didn't inquire two, three years ago. They don't know. And from one extent, it's like they didn't, they don't know what they missed in terms of interest rates or in terms of things that were there. And look, like, the, the reality of it is too, is that I recently bought a home, right? And I couldn't get the rate that I could have gotten back in 2020 because I bought it in 2023, right? So it's like, it is what it is, right? That is how economies work. That's how markets work. So don't psych yourself out and think like, oh man, the deals just aren't as sweet today as they were before. The cycles are cyclical, right? It's going to happen again. We're going to go through ups and downs. But right now, it's still as good a time of ever to sell solar and for a homeowner to invest in solar because of the economic impact it can have for them. That's the first part. I think second to that as well, um, as you're getting into the industry, just again, go back to just, just be a student of the industry. Like spend some time. I mean, there's a ton. There's a wealth of information. Obviously, we have a bias, but everything that's on the solar surge main YouTube channel is hundred percent free, right? Like there is enough information that if you really sat down and just began consuming the content, you could understand this industry very, very well, a hundred percent for free, right? It's classic YouTube university, right? That's how I learned my photography and, and film craft. It's how I learned a lot of solar stuff early on, but there's more access to content and information now than there's ever been. 
So be a student, get in there and consume the content, understand how net metering works, how avoided cost rates work, different products. You know, I, I oftentimes win deals today just because I have superior technical knowledge. And again, I preface this with, I don't have an engineering background. I don't have, I didn't come from that area, but I studied it and I became someone that knew how to explain it well enough in it from a sales perspective, right? Take a complicated issue and make it simple that people were like, well, Hey, you, you really understand what you're talking about. And, um, that's something that's just worked for me. And I would, I would recommend for anybody that's just getting started, you know, you don't have to have the, the super technical mind to be able to take a complicated issue and make it simple and convey that in your sales process. Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent there. I mean, some of the best teachers in the world are on YouTube with free content that if you just put the time in to consume it and process it, you're going to put you ahead of 90% of your competition because they're oh, just yeah. too lazy to do it. You know, and that's something anybody can do. Now, Dan, I, I know in your company, you know, you have a number of different methods of selling that you've used, whether it be the, the traditional in-home sales pitch that you and I kind of got started with. And I know we've even, we've even kind of tweaked that over the years, you know, incorporating things like kill the bill, uh, things like that. Um, but then you also have a virtual team and a door-to-door -door team. What are some of the pros and cons of each, of each sales approach? And uh, what do you found to be most successful for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think if we were to summarize, there's probably probably three different um, channels in that respect, right? Like you said, there's the traditional in-person. This might be where uh, someone booked an appointment with us to come out to their home. Maybe we got a lead from somewhere online. We called them, we set up an in-person appointment. There's the virtual side of it, which we pivoted to doing virtual stuff. It's actually, if you, it's funny, the irony of it, but we pivoted to started doing more virtual stuff back in 2019, like really before COVID began. And then, of course, the world adopted their willingness to do things virtually. Um, I shouldn't say willingness. It was kind of forced in many ways, but we, ha we had to learn it, right? Um, and then the other part of it is the traditional door-to-door -door method where it's, it's kind of the more solicitation style, right? I knock on the door and, hey, let me, let me tell you how beneficial solar can be. So pros and cons to each. Um, originally, the in-home method where you and I started uh, I really enjoyed because it was face-to-face -face interaction, right? And I do think the most powerful sales style happens in a face-to-face -face manner. That's where relationships can get built. There's rapport. You can kind of read and sense energy a little bit better. You can pick up on other cues, right? What cars in the driveway, what watches on their wrist, what things around the house, how tidy is it? And you can use those things to really aid your sales process. Um, now, I would say that overall closing rates tend to be higher in person, but the trade-off and the deficit, though, is the commute or the windshield time of having to get to that location. In-person appointments generally, generally run longer because you're doing some of that rapport building. You're commenting on, oh, look, at you know, you have a beautiful family. And then they begin to tell you about the wedding that this picture was taken at. Right. And it's all natural. It's not, you're not doing it to fake it, but it's just the reality of it is that they take longer. And then you've got to hop in the car and drive to your next appointment or drive back. Um, so that, that can be a con, right? The, the pro is you can close more. The con is it takes more time because the next variable then becomes virtual where you say, okay, I'm not going to have the same level of rapport. I, you, there's tricks and tips on how you can do things better. And again, the world has adopted more to virtual, so it's become more common, but you can't pick up on other social cues as well, right? You guys watching this have no idea where I am right now. You just see a white wall behind me, right? So that, that can hurt the, the, the closing capabilities. Uh, typically, the closing percentages are lower, but the major pro is that I can have more swings at bat. I can meet with more people because I didn't have to commute. I just had to hit end and then join 
and that takes me five seconds, right? And I can get on another meeting and another meeting and another meeting. So from one perspective on that side, my overall meeting quantities are probably going to be higher. My closing rate is probably going to be lower, but my net income or my net final you know, sales volume typically increased because I could just reach more people. Um, in both methods, but even more so in virtual, the follow-up game is really, really important. You're probably not going to get as many people to commit to signing on the dotted line and getting started with you right on this first call, right? Even though we try to do it a lot, you're going to have to follow up and you're going to have to be good at that, have calendar blocks to do that, use nurturing tactics. Uh, final strategy would be door-to-door. Now, the beautiful thing about door-to-door is it took you really no upfront out-of-pocket money to go create opportunities. Now, that's not entirely true because depending on your comp model and structure of how you do things, you might've had to invest in iPads and shirts and licensing and softwares and maybe you're paying hourly for appointment setters or whatever it is. But if you yourself are a solo door-to-door rep and you're going out there, you're creating your, your own opportunities, it didn't cost you anything necessarily other than your time. Now, I don't want to say other than your time, like it's a little thing because it, it's a big thing. It's important, mm. but that's what it costs you monetarily speaking. But the great thing about door to door though, is you get out there and it's just, again, swings at bat, right? You knock on enough doors, get enough rejections, have enough people tell you, no, you're going to find someone that'll say yes. And you have a conversation, you do a well enough job of it. Then it just becomes, okay, well, what are my KPIs? How many doors do I need to knock? And how many no's do I need to get to ultimately get the yes that converts to a sale? And what does that pay me? And then you can figure out, you know, the math, the math backwards. Um, the fun thing about door to door can be the culture right? It can be the environment you create when you've got a team of people that are just kind of going out there and they're hustling and they're doing things and it becomes very incentive driven. Hey, most amount of people to get, you know, told no, or, you know, someone point at the no solicitation sign or something like that in a day wins X, Y, Z, right? This has all got to kind of be built into your comp model, but that part can get fun. There's an energy that goes along with it. Um, But there's also a super negative energy when you're the only one out there by yourself and it's a cold, wet, rainy day and you realize, well, shoot, I need to go make some money, but I don't want to be out here. Um, So there's there's the pros and cons to each of them. I think the the perfect approach is sort of the hybrid blend, right, of being able to kind of use use all of them in some facet. And the other good thing about door to door is, you know, hey, if you want to do business in another market. And you decide, you know what, you want to pack up and move the family for 30 days to South Florida, you know, as long as you obviously adhere to the regulations, you can get out there and just go knock some doors, right? Like just, it's sweat equity. It's just put the miles in on your, on your feet and see what you can create. So there's, there's, there's a bunch of different options um, for what it's worth. I personally am a little more keen on the virtual approach because of the flexibility the ability to travel, do things, live your life and run your business from all sorts of different locations and back that up with with advertising or lead purchasing options, things of that sort. Uh, and again, might not close as much, but I can swing the bat more. And um, I was a baseball player in college, so I always use baseball analogies as well. But uh, that's that's kind of the, the, the gist of it. Yeah, no, that makes makes a lot of sense. You know, um, obviously, most folks that know us as Solar Surge, we're we're hundred percent virtual, so it's, you know, we're we're pretty much bought into that. But I think I think for us, because we're really strong on the content side, the virtual works well for us because people kind of can get to know us before they actually get on a, a live call with us. Yeah, so that's cool. 
So Dan, you know, I know one of the one of the things that we've talked about in the past, and one of the things that you've done is you know actually taken the step to invest in having a solar system installed at your home. Um, do you feel that that's a necessary step for every sales professional? And was it a worthwhile investment looking back at it now? Yeah, the short answer is absolutely a hundred percent for the worthwhile step. But I can also say it was worthwhile looking back on it too. So if you're a sales professional, look, I think this is a similar similar analogy um, to you know I sell cars at Toyota and I drive a Honda, right? It's like okay, Honda makes great cars, Toyota makes great cars, but are you representing what you're actually selling, right? Like, can you put your money where your mouth is type of thing? And and to me, the thing with solar as well is look, if you're a homeowner, never mind the fact that you're in solar sales, why wouldn't you want to go solar, right? Like all the economic benefits, the things we've already kind of talked about before, the things that many people have already know about the industry, why wouldn't you want to go solar? And then even furthermore, if you're a solar salesperson that doesn't own a solar system at their own home, what are you doing? Right. Cause like that to me, to me, if, if I know that, that just says all you care about is making money. Like that is like your sole goal and purpose of this career is that you're trying to make money because it, it just doesn't make any sense that why you wouldn't invest in a solar system yourself. I can say looking back now, I've owned my system at my home since 2017 or 2018. Um, so five years now. And over the previous five years, if I did mathematical calculations on how much I spent on my solar system, but what my ROI was, right? My commissions that I've earned, the revenue I've generated in my business, strictly because I can talk from a position of credibility, I can pull my phone out, show them my monitoring, show a customer my monitoring application. Uh, I, and I can just really resonate of saying like, yeah, this is why I did this. That for me, single-handedly has been the best investment I've made monetarily speaking in the past you know, five years, no question. Uh, and it's probably had a return on investment of a couple hundred percent. Uh, actually, it's it's probably well more than a hundred percent, probably in the thousands, simply because, again, just the credibility of knowing that, hey, I own this. I put my money where my mouth is. Here's my power bill, right? Like even to this day, some of the presentations we use has a copy of my power bill in it showing zero kilowatt hours of energy usage after I'd had the system for a year. And so that... First and foremost, I think just a self-reflection moment for someone that's in solar right now. If you're in solar and if you've been in this for more than just 90 days and you don't own a solar system, what are you doing? You know, that that's that's probably the the first question there because it just it really doesn't make any sense. I mean, I dare I say, I mean, you're a hypocrite if you do not own a solar system for your own home and sell solar. It it does not make any sense to me. So that that would be a big encouragement, invest in solar. It'll change your career. If you're just talking about it from an income and opportunity perspective. Um, Cause what it tells me too, is if you don't own a solar system, it's something like you don't believe in what you're selling. You possibly are one of those unethical people that's taking advantage of other people. And you're like, well, Hey, none of the deals work out properly. And I know this, so I'm not going to do it, but I want to make money over here. Right? Like it, Two and two doesn't make four if you don't have a solar system and yet you sell it. So, 
Yep. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. I mean, it instantly put, sets you apart from the competition in the homeowner's mind. Like, Oh, this person has actually bought into it. But then also in terms of your technical competence, like you'll, you'll have experienced the whole process. You know what the panels look like, you know what the inverter looks like, you know what the app, how the app works on your phone. Um, you understand what the different disconnect switches and circuit breakers, like the whole process, you'll be able to speak much more intelligently about the entire process, which again, is just going to set you apart from your competition in the prospect's minds is, oh, this person really knows what they're talking about. I'm going to feel more comfortable doing this project with them. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that's a big part of it too. And I'll, I'll say too, that that's probably been one of my, um, over the years as I've thought about it, I've actually used that as an objection handling method many times before as well. I'm in a competitive scenario and a customer says, oh yeah, I've got a proposal from so-and-so and, -so, and they're, they're giving me some information, but they're not giving me everything. Sometimes I'll just ask, hey, have you ever, have you asked the rep you're working with, do they own a solar system? Right? Like that's my, that's like my, my, my trump card, right? I'll just, I'll pull it out and be, hey, do they own one? And oh, you know what? I don't know if they do. I should ask them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've owned my system for five years, you know, and I'll, and I'll go into do it in a very non-salesy way, but I'll go into why that makes sense that I own it. Hey, ask the person you're talking to. And I can, I know for a fact that that's given me the competitive edge against dozens and dozens and dozens of other sales reps out there that have lost deals because of me, because I've mentioned that. And then they've come to find out, no, the other person doesn't have it. Why don't they have it? They're selling me this. They want me to invest $50,000 in a solar system, but they haven't done it themselves. I mean, I used to pull out my proposal and show them this is actually something too. And I didn't intend to go here, but one of the other things as well, and this is a, uh, I don't remember who this was from. Maybe it was Grant Cardone. I've been a big fan of his sales stuff over the years, but somebody had said, look, if you, there's this concept of like the, the, the friends and family discount, right? Like everyone wants to get the friends and family discount, but then the pushback is if you're my friend or my family, you pay the full price. Cause you know where that money goes, right? Like, you know, that that money comes back into my household. It's how I provide. It's how I live my life. Like, if you're truly my friend or family, pay the full price. But the same thing goes for you as the sales rep as well, right? Like, okay, look, I understand that there's margins and there's different things, but other than you getting rid of your own commission on your own deal, you should be paying that full price thereafter, right? Because I wanted to be able to show my proposal because inevitably I knew the next thing I was going to get, oh yeah, you own a solar system, but you probably got some blowout deal. Nope, here's my price. Right. It was exactly what you paid or within a certain range based upon what was going on then. So um, that's the other thing, too. Don't don't uh, be asking Steve to invest at a certain price per watt while you're over here looking for the cheapest deal you possibly can. Right. If you know your value of what you're selling, then you'd be willing to pay the same price or you should be willing to pay the same price or you need to have a reflection of, again, what am I doing? Yep. Yep. No, you got to be totally sold and bought in on it yourself. That's a great point. In fact, that's something I, I personally need to remind myself more of is making sure that, you know, you're, you're reminding your prospect, Hey, I'm different than these guys. I've actually got this. I'm actually a consumer of this product as well. Absolutely. Well, Dan, I know we, we just have a few minutes left here. What are your thoughts on where the industry is going in the future? Yeah. Great question. Um, cause obviously solar has grown a ton in popularity. Um, for better or for worse, there's also been a lot of negative headlines. There's been stories of whether it's been installation mishaps, fires that got caused. Um, you know, there's been a lot of companies that have been here, huge companies that go belly up and file bankruptcy and leave a lot of people hanging. And so there's there's a lot of reputational damage 
And it, unfortunately, in one way or another, it's kind of becoming the new modern way of saying that I'm a used car salesperson, right? Like I, you know, sorry for the used car people, right? My family's been in the car business for a long time, but that's kind of been a reputation, right? Like, oh, you're in the car business. So you sell cars, right? You used car salesperson. Solar is now, I think in 2023, starting to kind of get that reputation. So what I, what I think I see happening, and again, part of our mission with Solar Surge University is to help kind of combat that, right? Equip people with the right knowledge to be professionals and do this the right way. But what I really truly think will happen is whether Solar Surge University and our philosophy makes a huge impact on people or not, I think eventually there's going to be legitimate government actions as well whether it be the Federal Trade Commission, FTC stepping in and saying, hey, there's regulations on how solar can be sold, uh, licensing requirements, maybe like aptitude tests. A lot of different states require this already. California has your, you know, the HIS license. Maryland does this. Illinois does this. Certain counties around the country um, will do those things or cities where licensing is required. And we might start seeing more of that. We might might start seeing things like in real estate where, where you have to pass a certain test or you have to have certain regulations and licensing or in the mortgage industry. Because um, again, largely a lot of what solar is, is yeah, we're selling equipment and technology, but the underlying side of it is a financial implication, right? There's a loan, there's potentially debt, which can lead to bigger issues if it's sold in malicious ways. So I, I do foresee a point in the future, and I don't think we're far away from it, where regulations begin to tighten up a little bit. And look, it's, it's going to be unfortunate for the good guys, you know, for us, because it makes what we're doing now already doing things right. It's going to make it a little more difficult. But I think at the same time, it'll take all the bad players and make them go somewhere else to look into some other industry or some other thing where they can try to make a quick buck in a different way. So I think long term, it'll be good. Um, but I think in the short term, I, I honestly would welcome some of it because there are just so many bad players and so many misleading things. I mean, I'll hop on a call with somebody and they said, oh yeah, I got a quote from so-and-so for, and they'll break out their proposal to me. And I'm like, that pricing's insane. The performance of that system is nowhere near what it really actually is and what it should be. There's just a ton of inconsistencies. Um, and so anything we can do to kind of help clean that up and make the reputation of I'm a solar sales professional or I'm looking into solar as a homeowner, right? Make that a more pleasant experience, uh, one that someone's really excited about and looking forward to the amount of money they can save long term or the independence they can create for their families. That That's that's something I'm all on board for. So it's kind of my, my quick outlook. Um, I think as far as cost and pricing goes. Hopefully we're going to see cost decrease, although I think in the inflationary environment that we're in, not just the cost of materials, but now it's also just the cost of living, right? Like, I don't think it's reasonable to expect, if I'm a homeowner listening to this, I don't think it's reasonable at all to expect in five years, prices will be cheaper. Uh, it just, I don't think it will be the case at all. Prices are going to continue to climb as inflation typically would always continue to climb, right? Now, it might not be as egregious, but the cheapest price you're going to get is today. Right. Even if technology and manufacturing and incentives and other things get better, I still think the cheapest price you're going to get is more than likely today. Um, so, you know, I, I think, again, there's a lot of a lot of good things, a lot of ex exciting things to, to be looking forward to in the industry. Um, but there's a couple couple speed bumps along the way as well.
Well, it'll certainly be exciting. That's one thing I can say in the solar industry. They call it the solar coaster. It's it's solar never coaster. it's never a straight, you know, straight straight line. There are always some ups and downs. So it'll it'll be exciting to uh, to work through that with you. Well, folks, again, this has been a podcast interview with Dan Freshly, CEO and founder of Radiant Solar. Uh, Dan's also my partner at Solar Surge University. So if you're interested in getting into the solar industry or learning how to sell solar using the consultative process, the professional process that we advocate here, check out Solar Surge University. There'll be a link there in the description below, or you can visit the website at solarsurge.pro. Uh, but that pretty much does it for today's podcast interview. Dan, thanks again for spending some time uh, with your morning with us. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode.